I want to tell you about a really good friend of mine from college. His name's Perry. Perry's kind of quiet, stoic, but he also loves to go deep in conversations. All through my 20s, you know, I could I could go a year without seeing him. And the minute we saw each other, we could go straight back to where we left off, you know, into relationships and breakups and job stuff, you know, like the stuff that really matters. And he really listens. He doesn't try to fix the situation or offer advice. He just listens, which is like really rare and really calming. I love that about Perry. Another thing I love about him when he does something, he commits. He goes big. Sure. Yeah. That's Perry. The best examples um, of how extreme he can be are probably his costumes. Perry and I lived in a co-op in college called the Crafts House. Yeah, it was as nerdy as it sounds. Um, our house once threw a pirate party, and Perry wanted to look like he had an actual peg leg. So he got some stilts, and he used one of the stilts as a peg leg and hid the other inside some oversized pants. And then he taught himself to walk on stilts, all for a costume he wore for just a few hours. And the year that Ravi and Perry and I were rock, paper, scissors. This is Caitlin, also my friend. Caitlin's Perry's... I don't know. We'll, we'll get to that. It's complicated. Perry made a, like... Perry-sized pair of scissors, and when he walked, the legs were, like, cutting things. And and I was the rock, and I, like, took a big T-shirt and stuffed it with newspaper. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, varying levels of commitment to things like that. That level of obsession that Perry has with projects, it's something I can totally relate to. This is The Longest Shortest Time from WMYC. I'm Hillary Frank. Today's story is about Caitlin and Perry, I'm telling you all this stuff about how extreme Perry can be because it'll help you to understand what goes down in this epic love story. And there is a lot that goes down all over the question of whether or not to be a parent. Perry and Caitlin met 22 years ago, freshman year of college. A mutual friend introduced them one day on the quad, just a passing sort of thing. And then they didn't see each other again for like a year. They ran into each other, signing up for a chemistry lab. And I said, hey, Perry Tancredi, how the hell are you? And he said, great, who the hell are you? It is no surprise to me that Caitlin remembered Perry after only meeting him once. She's got a photographic memory for names and faces. She remembers everyone's birthdays completely by heart. Anyway, Perry and Caitlin... They made an impression on each other. And then we were lab partners. Chemistry lab partners. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was a grand experiment. <laughs> I could keep going. No, I, <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> Perry and Caitlin fell in love pretty quickly, but they had one of those relationships where they would flirt like crazy, but not date, you know, so they wouldn't ruin the friendship. But then they took this road trip to Graceland senior year and they just couldn't stand it anymore. Seven years later, they got married. What was your wedding like? Um, about four years after we got engaged, Perry was going to Las Vegas for a business trip. And I had never been to Las Vegas, so he said, you should come. And I said, okay. And then I think he said, like, let's get married there. So I bought a dress at the Salvation Army and... 
I took that dress and like a huge dress bag with me to the airport and to Vegas the whole time thinking like, are we actually going to do this? And then we got there and we, um, because we had gone to Graceland together and that's where sort of our, our relationship had started, we decided to get married at the Graceland wedding chapel. And it was much more serious than I actually had expected it to be. There was a lot more gravitas to the ceremony than I had anticipated, which was fine, but like definitely um, gave me a case of the giggles. So I was like laughing through a lot of it. Was Perry giggling too? Perry was not giggling. No, Perry, (laughs) Perry kept it together. Perhaps he was like more anticipatory of it being an actual wedding ceremony. Um, Did you, did you think that you'd have kids together? Uh, Like I could picture us as old people together. And I guess when I picture that there were like we had kids and grandkids. And then when we were married, we talked about, sometimes we talked about kids, and, and but mostly we just avoided it, actually. What he means is they avoided the will we or won't we have a baby conversation. But the will we be parents at all conversation was one they couldn't help having. Six months after they got married, Perry and Caitlin moved to Caitlin's hometown near Albany and became parents to her 14-year-old adopted brother, Caitlin's dad had died, and her mom was having trouble managing both her grief and the kid, who has lots of issues. He's schizophrenic. At the time, he was also suicidal. He'd try to strangle himself or or hold a knife to his wrist. He would leave the house sometimes, and sometimes he would just go on walks. Sometimes he would go on walks barefoot and... Occasionally, like, it was very snowy there in upstate New York, and he sometimes would just go out into the backyard and lay in the snow, just in his street clothes. And so I would go out and I would just lay out there with him. Perry has a very calm way about him um, in the face of, of, like, stress and trauma that he's able to just, like, be there and be really present for someone. Um and I, I did see that as paternal for sure. It definitely rang fatherly to me. I think we both looked at to that time as a little bit of practice about what it might be like to be parents. This was a taste of parenting a teenager under the scariest circumstances, and they didn't have half the skills they needed to handle it. Six months in, Caitlin's brother moved into a state-run residential home for men with developmental disorders, where he could get, you know, the kind of professional care he needed. And Perry and Caitlin moved back to Boston. Perry was a tech consultant for the internet security company Verisign. Caitlin was a reading specialist. My job, I come home and get to say things like, I taught a kid to read today. And he would respond by saying, like, I got 500 emails about a product that will never be released. Perry was jet-setting all over the world, working 11 hours a day, at a job he didn't like much. And he would leave Sunday night and be back on Thursdays pretty much every week for a year and a half at least, if not two years. And we would get into a fight every Sunday before he left because I was feeling abandoned. And that feeling of being abandoned gets easily triggered in me and it gets triggered in a really deep, intense way that I think like stops my, my brain and my heart from working. It just like, it takes over that feeling. Um, and I wanted him to go on like bad terms, I think subconsciously so that I would feel less sad about him going. And I never felt like I was doing enough 
to address Caitlin's needs around it. Like Caitlin would tell me exactly what I needed to do. You know, like if you're going to make travel plans, then this is the way I need you to communicate about it. And so I would try to communicate that way about it and it would fail. You know, I would trigger Caitlin in some way and I would say like, I, I thought I was doing it right. I did this thing. I thought that's what we decided. And she said, yeah, yeah, you did that thing. I see that. Um, but actually what I need is this other thing. And so I tried that other thing and it was shaking my confidence and thinking that if, if I loved Caitlin enough, then I would figure this out. Then I never felt like I was figuring it out. In the midst of all this, Caitlin got pregnant. I had been on the pill for a while and never really liked the idea of taking a pill every day and was resisting that idea. And so I stopped taking the pill and we were using like, you know, the old school 50s Catholic method, which I should have known doesn't work because that doesn't work. Um, And yeah, I got pregnant and was really freaked out about it, mostly I think because of the surprise of it. And then, you know, I came to, I came to be excited about it and then ended up having a miscarriage. Um, I had all of these feelings of my body doesn't work and I did something wrong. And is this not what's supposed to like be for us? How long was she pregnant? About three months. We had just started telling people. And, um, so you had been in this mindset where you were going to be a dad and like, what were your conversations with Caitlin? Like after that about, um, you know, being parents. Um, that's a good question. My recollection is, you know, it was a, it was a weird thing because at the time I was totally set and happy with the idea of being a dad. And then when it didn't happen, we, we moved to California. Um, and eventually I, I think I, I was ready again to have a conversation about having kids and, you know, Caitlin works with kids and, and every now and then she'd make a comment about kids or being a parent or something. She would make a funny comment about it. And I would say, do you want do you want to have a serious conversation about this? And she would say no. That's true. I didn't want to talk about it. Because you didn't want it or because you couldn't bear the thought of having another miscarriage? That. I couldn't bear the thought of having another miscarriage. I think if Perry said, you know, I have, like, I can't think of a way this would work out, but like, I found this baby. Do you want to raise it with me? I would have said sure. So it wasn't about the parenting for me. It was about just not being willing to to open myself up to that kind of hurt. Did you think about adopting? So that's complicated because my when my parents adopted my younger brother, it really changed the course of my life and has continued to change the course of my life um, in a way that has been time-consuming and often quite challenging. So I don't think I did seriously think about adopting, no. And at some point, I stopped asking Caitlin if she wanted to have a serious conversation about having kids. That, that's when I started thinking, well, what is the rest of my life? Because I hadn't assumed that we would have kids and that I would raise a child. But then in the absence of that, I kind of had, I was confronted with the idea of, oh, but, but then 
then this is the rest of my life. Like this job and this apartment and this marriage. And, and then I was like, but is that what I want? For the first time, I was like, well, what do I actually want? Like if I were to choose something, would I choose this? Of course, Perry did choose all of this. He chose Caitlin. And every time he was offered a promotion at work, he took it. But when he chose those things, he was imagining a life as a dad. Now things were different. And in true Perry style, he handled his identity crisis by going big. I had heard about this school in Utah, the Boulder Outdoor Survival School. And the only thing I knew about it was that it was a desert survival course where you go out for seven days and all you had was a, like a blanket and a knife and a cup. And I thought that's crazy. I, like, I don't even understand what that means to go into the desert and spend a night alone with your knife and your cup. And I think I have to do it. Wait, so. wait, 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 back up. I have to do it. Why? Um, I, like, honestly, something inside me knew that I had to get really, really far outside my comfort zone to help figure out what was going on for me. Um, I wanted some clarity on what I was thinking. I wanted to find out if my marriage was something I wanted to save or if I wanted to leave because I, I didn't know at the time. And it, that's frustrating. It seemed like pretty not so to me. Um, if I were in a crisis, that's not what I would do. Um, but I definitely saw the wisdom in Perry doing it. So Perry flew to Utah, the town where the survival school is. It's tiny. It's called Boulder. Only around 200 people live there. The teenagers in town have to take a bus to the nearest high school an hour away. The local grocery store is a gas station. The main attraction in Boulder, Utah, is the scenery. If you're going to be practicing survival skills, this is the place to do it. There's a huge variety of terrain where you could die if you don't know what you're doing. You've got your deep red rock canyons, your forest thick with towering evergreens, your tumbleweed desert. Perry headed out into that wilderness for two weeks with his cup, his knife, and his blanket. He hiked 15 to 20 miles a day. He made fires using just a knife and scavenged wood. He slept in caves. When he couldn't find one, he made shelter out of his poncho or, or logs and pine needles. He learned how to trap, slaughter, and butcher a lamb. His travel buddies called him MacGyver at first because he was so resourceful with, with like making things out of stuff he found along the way. By the end... They were calling him the hobo because he was just carrying around so much nature crap. I remember, the, you know, the last night I was sleeping in this cave with everyone I had traveled with and like the few things that, that I had. And I was looking out and I was like, I never really have to leave this place. This has everything I need. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, a hot lady and a caveman walk into a bar. Seriously. <laughs> In just a minute. If you've been listening to our show and enjoying it, there's something you can do to help us out. Nominate us for a Cribsy Award. Those are People's Choice Awards for parenting gear and media. It's easy. You can go do it right now. Just go to cribsyawards.com slash nominate and nominate us in the maternity category. Then tell them why the longest shortest time makes your life better. Thanks. We're back. When we left off, 
Perry was in a cave feeling like he never had to come back to his old life. And he didn't. He wound up getting a new job, teaching courses at the survival school. He'd go back to San Francisco, visit Caitlin. She'd come to Utah, visit him. They were in counseling. They were trying to figure things out. I remember a time when um, you came, there were a lot of times that uh, you've come through the various cities that I've lived in because of travel for work or just because you're back on the East Coast. And there was a time um, that you visited and we went out for breakfast. Your dad was with you and like we were out for breakfast with your dad and Sasha, my daughter, was a baby And your dad went to the bathroom and you kind of leaned over and you were like, it was like your, your five minutes to tell me what you, what was really going on. (laughs) You were like, you were like, Caitlin, Caitlin told me that she's always wanted a baby all along. And now what am I supposed to do with that? (laughs) And then like, but my dad doesn't know. Right. Yeah. She, you know, uh, Three or four months before I suggested we went to counseling, apparently Caitlin had come to a decision that she wanted to have a baby, but she didn't tell me. Looking back on it, it, it was this sort of, I, <laughs> I want to say gift of the magic. I think it's not exactly that, uh, where she, you know, uh, it's it's a gift of the Magi because she wanted to give me a baby and I wanted to give her a divorce. That doesn't make any sense. During one of Caitlin's visits to Perry at survival school, they decided they'd get divorced. A couple months later, Perry went to San Francisco to pick up all his stuff. He packed it in his car, strapped his upright base to the roof. Caitlin watched him drive off. Next time they saw each other or, or even spoke was at one of our college friends' weddings a month later. I was there too. And can you describe what you looked like and what Perry looked like? Yeah. So <laughs> um, I'll start with Perry. Um, he was wearing tattered clothes and a cowboy hat. Yeah. My sort of expedition hat. And a knife, <laughs> inexplicably, to the rehearsal dinner. He had a big beard. I think I was wearing tire sandals. Sandals made out of tires. Yes. And people were coming up to me and saying, Perry does not smell good. He smelled terrible. I did. Yeah. So, and I was dressed in a dress and high heels and, you know, my hair was up and done and. You looked hot, Caitlin. <laughs> you... <laughs> I, was, I was just like, I, I mean, you're you're a pretty lady, but I was like, Wow, Caitlin looks good. <laughs> like you looked happy. <laughs> you just like you looked radiant. Yeah, she did. And you looked like a caveman. Yeah, I did. The two of you, um, we we were at like this thing the night before the wedding, like in like a dimly lit restaurant, and um, and and like the two of you were sitting on this couch, and I said to my husband, um, those two people are hot for each other and and, he, and, he, and every and I like I said it to some other people and people were like no no Caitlin has a new boyfriend they are separated this it is over and I was like I don't know <laughs> it's not what it looks like 
<laughs> did it did it feel to you like you were reconnecting? No. Um, Caitlin was re- really protective and really standoffish to me and kind of mean to me. And it really hurt my feelings. And And that day was the first time I kind of seriously thought, I don't know if I, I'll ever speak to her again, but I'm happy that she's happy. So Perry went back to teach at survival school where he was hunting his own food, once sharing a mouse among eight people because it was all they could find. And he built himself a new home, a yurt, you know, one of those round tent-like things. But it was a full-on Perry yurt. It had solar electric lights, shelving, and a trapdoor wine cellar. He says a nearby snake took care of rodents. All this time, he's thinking things over, crying like a baby. Caitlin went back to her apartment in San Francisco with her car and her city nightlife and her job at a private school. They both dated other people, signed their divorce papers. Okay. So, if you had to, if we got pregnant next month, the baby would come in July. Which means for May, June, and July, we have to be not in Boulder. Right. Yeah, that's Perry and Caitlin just a couple months ago plotting the best time to have a baby together. Yeah, it's scary, but I guess we should just start trying. What's up? What's up? Nothing. I I agree, and it's scary, and I agree. They recorded this conversation for me sitting on their couch. That's their ceiling fan spinning in the background. So you emailed me on my birthday, right? And um, I was like, how are things? And you're like, pretty good. I'm, I'm going to move back to San Francisco and see if, see if we can get Caitlin pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you want to tell me what's going on? Um, After we divorced, we decided that we would drop out of communication because we felt like that was the, the best thing for both of us. But you know, in the year and two years that we were separated, we saw each other every now and then every few months. And every time we did, it was really great, um, really loving. Um, sometimes we would have sex and it was, you know, always really good as it always has been. Um, then we'd part because like I'd be on my way to go see someone else that I was seeing or she would be, you know, going back to San Francisco where she was seeing someone And I was like, we should talk more. Like, you're my family and I want to know what's going on with you. So we started talking more on the phone. And it was really hard because Perry would become very emotional on the phone and like not want to talk anymore, like sad and not want to talk anymore. So we would have these conversations that would end abruptly from my perspective. And I would sort of be left wondering, like, what's going on here? Like, why is Perry so sad? Is it something that's going on that I don't even know about that he can't share with me or is it about us or is it about us, but he doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. I couldn't tell. Well, I think what happened was we were both getting quasi serious about people. And I certainly started thinking about having babies with someone else. And 
and I was okay with all that stuff. But I also, on the back of my mind, thought, oh, well, Caitlin might have a baby. And that, you know, the idea of a little half Caitlin running around is really sweet, but melancholy. Like, it also makes me a little sad that it's not half me. Like, it's a shame that we didn't, like make a person together, as selfish as that sounds, like, but to make another person who's like part of each of us, there was a lot of grief and sadness just around that piece of it. And so we started talking about, should we get back together? I was right. I was right at the wedding. You were absolutely 100% correct. (laughs) Um, Do you, (laughs) was it necessary for you to get divorced for you to get to this place? Yes, absolutely the issues we were dealing with were abandonment on her side and caretaking on my side. Like in order for Caitlin to deal with her abandonment issues, she had to both reject me and feel completely abandoned by me. And in order for me to work out my caretaking issues, I had to say, I am not taking care of you anymore. Um, and to do that in some halfway like separation wouldn't have worked. Like, Caitlin has said to me that she literally thought she would die if I ever left her. And I think I did need to see Perry driving away in his GTI with the beast strapped to the roof and be like, that's over and I'm fine. Perry's 40. Caitlin's turning 40 in January. They say they're solidly together now, whether or not they have a kid. I spend 90% of my time with Perry laughing, um, which makes me immeasurably happy. Thing is, I can't help being nervous for them. I'm not even sure I should play this for you. Okay, but it's it's amazing tape, and they said I could. Okay. I was trying to think if there was some way we could call Hillary and have her already be recording. We could be like, oh, we thought of something that we wanted to, like, follow up with you about. Do you have 15 minutes at this time where you can record it? Like, it's a funny story that we wanted to tell you or something. Like, I don't know what, I don't know if she does that at home or if she's got special gear somewhere or if she's got stuff going on the day after Thanksgiving. And what did you want to tell her? I thought we might tell her (laughs) that I'm pregnant. Yeah. I'd like to tell her, for the sake of the story, I'd like to tell her, but it's also a little scary because it's so new. I mean, we should tell her. Are we agreed that we should tell her? Yes. Okay. But how is what we're talking about right now, it seems like. All right. We could just send her this recording. Yeah. Love you, Hillary. Bye, Hillary. Love you too. Perry's taking a break from survival school for now and living with Caitlin full time while they plan what's next. We'll be checking back in with them in 2015 to see how things are going. You can see pictures of what Perry looks like doing all of his caveman things at longestshortesttime.com. And if you want to take a survival course with Perry, um, we've got a link for that too. Also, we know that you are raising kids in all kinds of circumstances. We want to hear about your unconventional relationships. Post them in the comments for this episode. That's episode 45. This podcast is a production of The Longest Shortest Time and WMYC. The show is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Joanna Solitaroff. 
Jim Briggs is our engineer. Actually, this is Jim's last show with us. Jim has been mixing every episode of The Longest Shortest Time since we joined WMYC in May. We mostly record this show on Skype and on phones, and Jim makes those recordings sound pro. Thank you, Jim. We wish you the very best of luck as you move to California with your wife and little kids. Our theme music is by The Batteries Duo. Special thanks to Chris Bannon, Peter Clowney, Jonathan Menhevar, and Ravinder Kingra. We use music today by Trevor DeClerc and Kevin McLeod. Subscribe to our show in iTunes, even if that's not how you listen to the show. And while you're there, please write us a review or rate the show. Both of those things will help us in our ranks in iTunes, which will help us keep the show going strong. I'll be back with a new episode in two weeks at three o'clock in the morning. That next show marks the fourth anniversary of this podcast, and we'll be celebrating with a special surprise guest. You want to hear that early, right? You can by subscribing to our newsletter at our website. Enter your email and I'll send you a secret link six hours earlier than the show gets posted. And as always, if you have a story of a surprising struggle in parenthood that you'd like me to consider for this podcast, go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story.